Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, March 25th. We're now four weeks into an unprovoked war following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I'm sure all of you, like me, have been following the regular updates from the media about what's happening on the ground. But to summarize a bit of what's happened over the last four weeks, there are now 10 million Ukrainian people who have been displaced from their homes. Ukraine is a country of around 40 million people, so that's about one-fourth of the population that has had to leave their homes, refugees who have had to escape to find somewhere safer to be both inside and outside Ukraine. Meanwhile, thousands of people have been killed, including innocent civilians, but of course, also the military on both sides of this conflict. The result is that the local fashion industry has been completely devastated. Many industry professionals have become refugees themselves and have faced unspeakable tragedy, suffering, and trauma. But it's hard for those of us watching from afar to truly comprehend and understand what's going on and to understand how we might be able to help. This week on the BOF podcast, I'm really grateful to have three fashion professionals, Julie Pelipas, Lily Litkovskaya, and Vadim Rogovsky, to share with us a little bit about their personal experience over the past month, where they are and what they hear is happening on the ground, and of course, how this has impacted their businesses. We are creatives, we are sensitive, we are really sensitive. We cry out our tears every day, actually. We don't have normal life anymore. But on another side, all people I know from my industry, they continue their work, they continue building up the, the teams, they're holding up. I'm paying salaries to all my people in my team because I know that I don't want them to feel that they are lost, that they are you know, separated from the duty they had before. Now the corporate culture of Ukraine is really waking up and it is super powerful. So we don't even know by ourselves what we can achieve, what we can do after this finishes because it's just in the process of being born. I hope to come back to Ukraine because so many talented people are there and uh, I know that my products have special energy. We have um, special roots, uh, culture and the product was produced in Ukraine. First, I asked Julie how these past few weeks have been for her as she has sought refuge from the unfolding crisis. Thank you, Imran, and, and thank you for gathering all of us here. It's an honor to be speaking here about these horrible events in my country. I'll try to make it briefly, actually, about my previous life because it's more essential now to speak about current situation, right? So I moved actually to London with my family, but bigger part of my big Greek family, I'm, I'm ethnical Greek, uh, was born in Ukraine, but it, actually it's a huge Greek family, which located in Mariupol, the most horrific place right now in the world, now uh, in the world. So they all there actually on everyday daily basis. I'm trying to evacuate them out of there because um, it's crazy. They're just uh, locked there and there are no chance for uh, green corridors for humanitarian aid to get there. So not to cover that too much. It's quite a horrific thing that's in direct contact with people there. That's why I'm actually putting that much information on my Instagram account but because I daily uh, receive those news from my family members, not from me. Media, not from chats or whatever it's it's a direct information for me and that's why i'm so sensitive to that topic 
Me as a professional, I was working previously as fashion director of Vogue Ukraine for almost eight years. And uh, almost three years ago, I quit Condé Nast family to launch my own upcycling platform, which is better. It's a completely new system, I would say, for upcycling dead stock in the world. But by the moment, I had to pause completely this direction. And I actually reconstructed my whole team to create a community. We call it better community, which is going to be um, helping and supporting those creatives that were affected by war. And we have three divisions by the moment. These are creatives, which are photographers, art directors, stylists, etc. The other division is fashion designers. And the third division would be uh, architect residency, which we call emergency shelter, which is a, the physical residency for those who had to stay in Ukraine due to different reasons. So by the moment, I'm moving constantly and I'm trying to set myself and my family in London. But I mean, you know, my family is still in there and it's it's horrible. I won't say details but it's horrible what's what's going on for them right now there are two parts of what i'm doing now it's helping on ground to rescue those people physically and another part building this community out of london to help those creatives in learn-term perspective so that they will be able to sustain their careers in the future Thanks, Julian. And I'm so sorry to hear about your family in Mariupol, because obviously you said it's like one of the worst places in the world right now. I think that's not an understatement. It's a city. It's a small city in the southern part of Ukraine, 400,000 people. But apparently there's still 100,000 people that are stuck in Mariupol and are not able to get out. Lily, maybe we could move to you. Where are you today? What's going on in your world right now, Lily? Thank you, uh, Imran, and uh, thank you, everyone, and for this opportunity to speak with you and show what's going on in Ukraine uh, with Ukrainians. Yes, I left the Kiev uh, in first day of the war. It was uh, in last evening because I have a really little baby and daughter and two and a half years old and i can't to move but uh, after i decided to left yeah yeah it's hard for weeks i was in uh, paris and after one week i decided to come back to ukraine and you need all my team of course this is big responsible for everyone and for their children and we decide to rebuild our business in Lviv and I just uh, arrived in Paris yesterday night yeah about um, about my family my mama was uh, in Bucha this is um, horrible and dangerous. It's a dangerous place uh, near the Kiev. It's around uh, 15 kilometers from Kiev, and uh, she was isolated. She uh, didn't have the um, connection, electricity, gas, etc. She uh, lived in shelter, and oh my gosh! And I decided with my husband that she have to run through the forest through the everything and uh, she uh, agreed uh, with me it was the um, i don't know the uh, horrible day in my life when the mama was running because she met uh, russian post she spoke with them and finally right now 
She is with me, with my daughter in Paris and all my family in different place. I'm so glad to hear your mom made it to Paris safely. I can't imagine how challenging and difficult that is. And, you know, I, I hope that the rest of your family in Ukraine is finding a way to be safe. I mean, Vadim, maybe we can move on to you and learn a little bit about who you are and your connection to the fashion industry and how you've been personally and professionally impacted by the war. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. Currently, I'm running 3D Look. It is a fashion tech company. We have a team in Ukraine of around 75 engineers, product managers, etc. Before the war, we had three offices in Odessa, Kiev, and Lviv. And we created really unique technology that measures human body with, with just two photos, right? And we applied this to the fashion industry so people can get the right sizes to reduce returns, and etc., etc. And, and also to enable virtual try-on. Uh, so this is the U.S. company. Basically, I have half of my top management is in, is in the U.S., so it helped us to operate in the first week of the war because we already had a contingency plan. So basically, I handed over all the critical functions of the company to my U.S. team. They helped me a lot. And uh, I'm originally from Odessa. And my wife is from Odessa too. And uh, before this war, I mean, we, we were located either in, in Ukraine or in the U.S., mostly in, if in the U.S., mostly in New York. But uh, when it started, I was in Odessa, in my house, with my wife and eight-month-old baby. And uh, yeah, of course, as a company, we, we kind of were prepared for this. I didn't believe in this uh, until it happened, because I was always saying that there was never a, a, a war that started after media already announced the date when it will start. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a nonsense. It couldn't happen, right? And no one believes in this, really. But uh, so we had the contingency plan. We had we pre-booked the hotels and uh, uh, flight tickets for some of our for, for some of our people. And we basically uh, on the third day we really we moved the majority of our Ukrainian employees to Western Ukraine, and some of them even abroad. We rented hotels for them. We paid them the salary in advance. I mean, we made sure they have money, they have everything. We took care of some of their families. And uh, as for myself and my family, I mean, yeah, of course, we woke up 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., but we decided not to go anywhere at first. We stayed in Odessa for a week. I didn't want to leave my country, actually. I felt that I need to be there. I need to be an example for my people. I just hated to do that, but my wife was very nervous every day. And really, after the week of that, we decided, okay, I'm, I just decided that I just, I'm tired to fight with her, so we decided to leave. And we went to, to Moldova by car. We had to spend the night in the refugee camp because there was just no place to basically stay. You couldn't rent anything. And then early in the morning, we crossed the border. And then we basically went to Romania. And then we stayed three days in Romania. I left the car to just a friend of a friend of a friend. And then we went to Barcelona. So my goal was to obtain a all three U.S. visa for my for my baby, so we can go back to the U.S. And uh, it was surprising to see that U.S. embassies around Europe they were just canceling appointments for Ukrainians or basically rejecting their visas. It's interesting; no one talks about it in press, but U.S. actually doesn't want to have more Ukrainians. It is really very frustrating. But I managed to find some people in Lisbon, and I did almost impossible. I got the appointment today. That's why I was a bit late, and she was approved, so I will get her passport back with the visa next week and we're going to fly back to the US. So that's it, yes. Thank you for sharing that, Vadim. And every time over the past few weeks, as I've been talking to Ukrainians and Russians, honestly, anyone impacted by the war, 
it really touches me how like actually beyond these headlines that we're reading in the newspapers and all of the rhetoric and geopolitics around this, like at the end of the day, this is like a situation that's impacting people on a deeply, deeply personal level. So I'm grateful to all of you for taking time to, to share your stories and be open with us about what you're going through. I mean, I guess, Vadim, I guess you never imagined in your life you would be a refugee, you know, going through Moldova and Romania and uh, Spain, trying to get to the U.S. These are these are things that we never imagined. So I guess my next question for you is really, you know, where do you think the Ukrainian fashion industry goes from here? Or are you even thinking about fashion right now? I know, Julie, you've you've set up, you know, you've kind of transformed your startup into a, a platform to support creatives. And, you know, Vadim, you're thinking about supporting your team and making sure they're safe. Lily, you've gone back to Ukraine, now back to Paris again. But if, as you look ahead and you, you see the prospects for what's going on, where do we go from here, Julie? You know, Imran, it uh, hugely depends on the uh, long lens of this war. And we all listening clearly to the news right now to understand the scale of damage we would have. Of course, the damage now is enormous, but we're all very strong and brave to rebuild it from zero level. And of course, with your support, it comes more smoother for us. Then if this war would last longer, and this is the most you know, realistic prediction, I would say this would mean a huge damage because we won't be able to reconstruct the business structure on the basics. So we would need to actually launch each of us, each brand, we would need to launch from the zero level somewhere outside of Ukraine, which is a much more complicated scenario for all of us, of course. And uh, if it's going to finish sooner, which is the dream, and we hope for that, uh, we all, I'm sure I'm speaking for all designers right now, we all will be ready to go back to Ukraine and to build the productions and to build the teams again, to bring it back to, you know, and in this scenario, I think we would actually have a perpetual moment, you know, I would, I think we now have so much energy to actually win this war on all levels and our field is fashion actually, and we are very determined to win and i'm not i'm not i'm not going to sound as a victim or as a refugee here i really uh, and try to encourage my people to stay conscious of realistic possibilities and what we try to do to build this community is first place we need to build an open data of those designers that are in need and what we do is we specify the help they need right the kind of support, for instance, it might be self sales of the dead stock or the showrooms or the PR activities or the media coverage or whatever. So we actually specify the particular need for each designer on their profiles so that you come there and you have a structure, a very precise structure of steps that you can allocate to help them to build up, for instance, to start from zero level, to sustain further and etc. So on a big scale, of course, we have a huge damages, but I'm a very optimistic person and I try to bring this optimism to my colleagues. And I say that let's please don't uh, don't be frustrated with all these events, but be more, put this energy into, you know, constructive uh, direction and build your brand. You had a, such a strong identity. You had a business structure. You have a team. We all managed to evacuate teams. So thanks God there are no casualties but what we need now and what is why we are grateful for you is little particular support from industry 
in a very specific way. And in this case, if we would receive this support in finance, in you know, dead stocks or fabrics or whatever, this would mean for us a big chance to build businesses on some level. I'm not here to predict what would be the precise you know, picture of and the narrative of where we will get in one year or whatever, but I believe that we will have a chance. And I, I know those people personally, and I, I, I believe that they will be able to, even with this event, they will be able to build it from zero level. Yeah, I mean, maybe Vadim, we can turn to you. I mean, you've relocated a lot of your team to other places, and you yourself are making a shift over to the US. I mean, do you agree with Julie on the kind of prospects of where this is all going? And could you imagine yourself moving back to Ukraine once this is over? Or are you feeling like this is more of a, a permanent shift that you're making to like really relocate most of your company outside the country? What I'm constantly articulating to my team and to my friends and to my network is that it's already, I mean, we have to shift our mind from thinking, oh, it's just temporary, it will finish next week. It's very emotional. It's very exhausting. We cannot think of that anymore. We are planning that it might last, like as a business, we are planning that it might last for six months. I mean, we basically we put it into our like, financial modeling, business modeling, etc. And, and I know like the most prominent businesses around me from my network, I see they do the same. No one thinks basically that it will last just a month more. And also after it kind of finishes on paper, we all understand that it will take also a lot of time basically to open the border to get people in like like so it's not only just finishing on paper it's about really to be able to come back so that's why are we are i mean as a family we are planning it for a long term but obviously i mean i have a house in odessa my parents are still there because they don't want to leave my grandparents are there my wife parents are there and i mean of course lots of friends still there so of course we probably we will actually live between two countries as we are used to do and, and also one thing about actually how it changed our company culture before the war i mean we had some communication issues between the u.s team and ukrainian team because of culture etc and i even wanted to do a, an executive coaching session to basically make our team more cohesive but during like when it started we are kidding that it is like a team building that that, that we didn't ask for because Everyone started to be so, I mean, the team was so united. The team started to help each other and not get, like no real difference between American culture, Ukrainian culture. Like Americans, they literally, some of them even didn't want to take their salaries and they basically donated their salaries to humanitarian efforts because we also actively support the local defense in Odessa. We donated several hundred thousand dollars already internally. So yeah, I mean, and the, the team is super united and much stronger, actually, I feel, than we were before. It's something that I really learned over the last couple of years, Vadim, you know, when small businesses like yours and mine, when you end up facing a crisis situation, the team really comes together. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that your colleagues in America and beyond are supporting you because it goes back to what Julie was saying before, in order for small companies, for an industry like the fashion industry to navigate a situation like this, it really means coming together and you know and lily maybe we could learn a bit about what your thinking is now you know you've gone back and forth to paris back to ukraine now to paris you know what what are your prospects and plans for how you're going to manage your business are you going to set it up from scratch in paris as julie was you know mentioning that some businesses are having to do 
I hope to come back to Ukraine because so many talented people are there and uh, I know that my products have special energy, I don't know, because this product, this garment produced in Ukraine because I'm sure that uh, we have uh, special roots, uh, culture and the product was produced in Ukraine, have a special energy. And uh, I feel it in the, I don't know, spiritual maybe way. And I dream that uh, we will come back to Ukraine and we continue to produce in Ukraine. And what I uh, try to organize right now, but in my plan, I uh, think about to organize some production in France, in Paris, maybe suburban Paris, and invite Ukrainian refugees to continue to work, to produce the garments. So you'll get that same energy because it'll be hopefully Ukrainian people maybe living in France. You know, one of the things that I find so incredible listening to all of you and you know, watching what's happening on the ground is the word that comes to mind is resilience. You know, everyone's talking about resistance in Ukraine and how the Ukrainian military and the people of Ukraine have really stood up to this invasion. And as someone who's never been to Ukraine and has really only been learning more about Ukrainian culture in the last few weeks, can you help me understand, you know, what is it about the Ukrainian identity or the Ukrainian culture or Ukrainian history that makes all of you so resilient, you know, in the face of a crisis that you probably never imagined you would see in your life? I would say the main statement of Lily is that uh, our unity and resilience was born in 2014 during the revolution when we realized that we have um, a power to speak freely and to put out our our message and to be proudly saying that we are Ukrainians and the product is produced in Ukraine and you will work in Ukraine. And uh, if you don't mind, I would add to this statement because it's a really crucial understanding of the historical context. I won't go back too far to the history of uh, Ukrainian resilience, but then just to mention that the uh, independency of our country is only 30 years. It's a very young country, and we are the generation that was born in this independent country. We were with one leg, we were in the Soviet Union with Lilia because we're a bit older generation, but then these younger people, they were born in independent country. So the first thing we needed to overcome is the huge economic crisis. We were born out of, you know, emptiness, economic emptiness, no social structure, no uh, no industry for fashion at all. It was like it, I, I witnessed the birth of the fashion industry in Ukraine, right? So there were no magazines, productions, agencies, or whatever. So we were actually building this one. Then we witnessed one revolution. Then we witnessed second revolution. And all those brought huge damages to industry, to cities, to families, to lives of people, you know. So it's a long story of fight for freedom and it's a long story of resilience. It's nothing new to us, you know. We're not newcomers in this 
formats of living. And you know, there is a statement, nothing genius comes from comfort zone. So we were always building and creating out of, you know, very complex complexity of the economic, social, and etc. circumstances. So that's, I think, how we build up our character and this power and this energy to 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 overcome these uh, horrible events. And actually, that's why I think that's the main answer, how we're able to navigate this horrific, absolutely destroying and devastating events and continue to build something, to communicate, to speak to you. You know, we are creatives. We're sensitive. We're really sensitive. We cry out our tears every day, actually. We don't have normal life anymore. But on another side, all people I know from my industry, they continue their work. They continue building up the, the teams. They're holding up. I'm paying salaries to all my people in my team because I know that I don't want them to feel that they're lost, that they are you know, separated from the duty they had before. Vatim, mm. what about you? Where does this Ukrainian resilience come from? I do agree with everything that was just said by Julia and Lily, but uh, I also think that our Ukrainian corporate culture maybe started to wake up in 2014, although still the country was not united. Lots of people were against what was happening. Lots of people were supporting that. So I cannot say that it's really... I think it's happening now. So this war... Because back in 2014, I was against what was happening, right? I didn't think it was right. But, but now... And I know many people, many people who are thinking the same. But what I see now, that there are no many people who think a different way. I mean, now the corporate culture of Ukraine is really waking up and it is super powerful. So we don't even know by ourselves what we can achieve, what we can do after this finishes, because it's just in the process of being born. And I think maybe definitely one of the reasons is because of historical factors, because of geographical factors, etc. Ukraine has a very diverse mixture of cultures, of nations, of nationalities. Even if I talk about myself, I'm, I have a part of Greek blood, Jewish blood, Ukrainian blood. Everyone I know around me, they have, I mean, all, all, also lots of uh, nationalities in their uh, roots. So my take on this is that it's one of the clear reasons why Ukrainians are unique in some way, I, I would say, yeah. Vadim, we can hear your eight-month-old in the background. I'm so glad that you're together with your family. I think that's all really resonates with me because, you know, one of the things I was reading just the other day was saying that, you know, a country's identity, a country's nationhood, a country's definition of identity often comes through deep challenge and difficulty. If you think about the American Revolution, or you think about other independence movements around the world in India, when, you know, there's the independence from the British colonial system, like these were not easy moments. But through these kinds of very difficult moments as individuals, but also as countries, as, as, as cultures, we discover and define who we really are. And maybe, you know, if there's one silver lining in this like extremely difficult, horrible tragedy, it's that the Ukraine that comes out of this crisis, the Ukraine that emerges from this war is a Ukraine that's united and strong and has such a strong sense of identity and purpose and, and clarity that it can make it through anything in the future. We've spent quite a bit of time in this conversation talking about your personal and professional reactions as Ukrainians, as fashion professionals in response to this war. But you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about how you think the fashion industry more broadly has responded. 
and what your reactions are to maybe the shift that we've seen and the attitude of the industry or, you know, and maybe Julie, I can start with you. How do you think our industry has responded to this situation? I will try to be as much considerate as possible in this answer because uh, I assume that it's a bit too early to make a conclusions on the level of reaction because today is only one month since this war started and we all woke up in a new reality and that reality by this moment doesn't have a particular ethics language, narratives, you know, we, we don't have rules, we don't have system here. We actually don't know how to react, what is the right reaction. So in the short term, I mean, of course, the enormous empathy and enormous support came from the industry. That's what I can confirm. That it's, that's what I feel on a personal level. And that's what I see globally on all perspectives, media, businesses, commercial, and etc. But I would say that this is a very crucial moment right now for industry and for community especially to create this vocabulary to create this language visual language that we use to speak about war we will need to speak about this war we won't be silent it's impossible so i'm sorry to say that but i find that fashion should be politically engaged should be political and we have this language it's a very strong culture codes that we use in our language and we need to develop this new ethics we need to formulate this new vocabulary for the war because you know that we are very sensitive to particular words that you use in, in features and articles and topics etc so I see this as fashion now building up this narrative, building up this reaction. And uh, that would be amazing to actually create this community of people who will be speakers, you know, for this uh, very tricky topic, let's say. And I was thinking a lot and I just recently realized that it's only those who participate in the war they feel it the most. And it's impossible for people being in their comfort zones in countries where nothing happens to be that empathic, to be that much, you know, considerate about that. So it's our duty, it's our responsibility right now to bring the right words, to bring the awareness, to bring this understanding of what is actually war it is. It's ugly, unfortunately. It's not beautiful. It's not relative to, you know, fashion aesthetics in general. But then I see a beautiful there. You know, recently I realized the meaning of this in Yang sign. In war, you don't have grayish part. You have only white and you have black, unfortunately. And this is what balanced the world. So it's actually what we witness now. It's a huge amount of evil, vicious forces that kill our people. But on the other side, we see a huge amount of people willing to help, supporting. And it's like, it's a light there, right? And we need to actually create this visual language and to be able to put it on the covers, to put it in the features, not being ashamed, not being confused of those topics, but speaking of that freely and having the right vocabulary for that and having the right perspectives on that. And in the end of the day, having the right understanding where it all goes and who is responsible for what. And the silence, this is the last important point I would love to emphasize, the silence in this context of war for me is the biggest let's say not threat but it's like the silence it's a terroristic act yeah i mean if you don't call it for what it is if you're not speaking about it that is also in a way a political stance 
you know, this is what I think is you know, when, when brands and executives early in the crisis were saying to me, we don't want to be political. My message back to them was by not saying anything, that is also a political stance. That's right. You're absolutely right. That's what I'm trying to bring to my Russian colleagues that and friends that never put it there any message, any statement. And I'm telling, listen, your silence means tolerance to this war. If you put at least the words of condolences, at least the words of you know empathy to, to people who are dying, that would be enough. But silence means you agree with what happens. And this is the most horrible out of that. I just really want to say that, uh, unfortunately, Ukrainians on one hand will be associated with hate, but the right world there, it's not hate. We don't care, to be honest, about those people right now because we're busy with building our lives and rescue our people. The right, the correct word would be shame. We're really ashamed of their silence and how they accepted this new regime that actually destroying their country, their lives. I mean, they will be in disaster very soon. And it's crazy how people stay silent. I know it's a criminal law right now that will chase them. And it's very dangerous. Lily, what about you? I mean, where do you want to see more support or feedback from the industry? Like how can the industry help right now? What are people like you looking for from the industry? Julie said many things, and I agree with her. And uh, maybe um, Julie uh, need help. <laughs> so Lily wants to add that it's important for those influencers with million amounts of followers, like big ones, uh, to actually put out this message, not in perspective of um, Ukrainian talents as victims, but in perspective of Ukrainian creatives as a cool creatives to collaborate, to to be hired, you know, to to work with, because they are cool, you know. So it wouldn't take them that much, to be honest, right? To put something in their post. Uh, you know, it's uh, a question of one look of the day or whatever, but then just to, to to use their platforms, to use their voices and big audiences to promote Ukrainian creatives. Vadim, what about you? I don't think a lot of people really understand just how vibrant the technology scene is in Ukraine. And the, you know, the story that our technology correspondent, Mark Bain, wrote last week, which you participated in, just really help to show that beyond kind of the more traditional creative roles of, you know, styling or design, you know, manufacturing that you see in Ukraine, you've also got this kind of very vibrant technology ecosystem. You know, what is it that our industry should be doing to help support this ecosystem, even as Ukraine is undergoing this crisis? First of all, the, the tech ecosystem in Ukraine as the whole nation got very united I mean, one of the things that everyone started to do immediately, it's basically to create some kind of like charity organizations or just to donate into different charity organizations and exchange with everyone in the tech community, like what are the most urgent opportunities to fund, et cetera, et cetera. Also, if some companies had to furlough their people to, to let go, some of their people, other companies tried to hire them immediately. And also, we basically created a list of any software related to Russia and started to replace it with other vendors in a very fast way uh, and straightforward way. 
also there is a very i would say very strong activity where lots of people from different tech companies involved and they are running ads on russian social media on russian audiences to help people to see the truth of the war and also my some of my people also participate in that so these are the, just the examples of things that ukrainian tech community is involved into right now Well listen maybe we should just conclude with a final message from each of you you know this podcast is the most listened to fashion podcast in the world like if you have one final message for people listening whether they be in Korea or Brazil or India what message do you have about the war in Ukraine and where we go from here maybe we can start Lily with you Thank you Imran I think right now the Ukraine safe all over the world and i ask everyone to help ukraine to do her mission and stand with ukraine and help and support ukraine thank you okay vadim i think that yeah i mean it was already said that even saying nothing is also a stance so everyone i mean every brand every designer every tech entrepreneur they have to say something it's not just ukraine and russia it's not just politics it's already kind of it's a, it's a global thing global event i mean there are chances that other countries will be involved there are very high chances that they're going higher and higher and we need to to do everything to prevent that and uh, it's not about basically taking the machine gun and flying to participate in the war no it's just it's at least about your social media and everyone can do something to to help because there is also a media war happening at the same time so we all need to contribute we all need to help with humanitarian efforts to help with explaining people the truth and only in this way we can change something okay and julie i guess the final word to you what's your concluding message i would agree with vadim this war is a hybrid war it's not just on the ground war and it's absolutely true that everyone should contribute with whatever they have in their platforms and voices and again staying silent means tolerate this war so the statement and being vocal is very important and speaking on behalf of the creative community we're building i would say that it's important to not put this community in the perspective of refugees or victims it's important to still consider them as a relevant creatives and to help them integrate into global industry narrative and then very soon you will discover that this community is actually a very hard working people very creative and vibrant and cool that you will be happy to discover as a friends as a colleagues and etc so it's actually that what this war did yeah, actually united the whole world and that what we say we act united to win this peace for all because this war might spread further and we fight for democracy and humanitarian rights basics and uh, let's just not stay tolerant to this let's act we can act beautifully because we are from fashion you know thank you julie palipas lily litkovskaya vadim rogovsky you're all in different places but you stand united against this war and you know we stand with you and we'll put some links in the episode notes of resources that our listeners and and readers in our community can can follow uh to better understand what's happening and to find a way to contribute or give back in the ways that you've suggested i want to thank you all at a very very difficult time for being so open and candid with your personal experiences and what you're going through our hearts 
and thoughts are with you. And we want to support you in whatever way we can here at the Business of Fashion. So please keep in touch with us. Let us know how we can help. I hope that this does not escalate into a wider conflict. I hope that the war comes to a conclusion sooner as opposed to later. But however long it goes, we are standing with you and we want to support you. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week. We have included some links in the episode notes to resources on how you can help the Ukrainian fashion community as the war sadly continues. A very special thanks to Emma Clark and Kate Barton in the BOF studio team for producing this week's podcast and to our editor Eric Bria for his impeccable editing skills. We'll be back next week. <laughs>